and welcome to another Round the Rotary podcast with me, your host, J.P. Warren. And uh, before we get kicked off, i got to say that Round the Rotary podcast is brought to you by Capital Petroleum Consultants. CPC specializes in project engineering and well site supervision in all disciplines of the oil and gas industry. Contact us through www.capitalpetroleumconsultants.com. I swear, if you say Capital Petroleum, Capital Petroleum Consultants that many times, it always jumbles up. To see what CPC can do for you today, and uh, with us in the studio, I am I am pumped to have our, our guest right now, and I've known this uh, this gentleman for probably about ten years now, 10, 11 years, eleven years, because that's when I left uh, Noble Drilling. You actually hired me out of Noble Drilling to go to Alice Chalmers, and then two weeks later was Archer. So in the studio today, we have Mark Patterson, the founder and owner of Sage Brothers Consultant. So it's his first podcast, and we're actually doing this on a live on, we started recording these on Clubhouse, and I'm not sure if we're going to continue doing that, not recording, but opening up Clubhouse so people can kind of get that live experience before, and we can open it up after for questions. And uh, you can find Round the Rotary on YouTube for the visuals. You can find us on uh, Instagram and and all that. So uh, thanks for tuning and everyone, uh, we know you have a choice of podcasts. I'm really excited about this uh, this conversation we're about to have because, again, you're one of the best uh, best guys. I know you brought me from my pre my first job in the oil field to my next one, which really kind of set me up in my career uh, after that. So you're pretty pivotal in my career, whether you know that or not. So again, let's uh, thanks for being here today. Well, JP, I want to say first of all, thank thank you for having me. I appreciate that very much, and and I'm really looking forward to the time we're spending together here today. I will say that I want to thank you for joining us at Alice Chalmers because, uh, you know, one of uh, one of the guys that was I was working with who was instrumental in, in bringing you on, uh, Scott Keller, oh, a Scott good friend. Keller. Yeah, and, and Scott, you know, I can still call him a friend today, and I think he uh, is me as well because he was able to bring you on to spend the time in Saudi and, and, and manage our Saudi operations uh, for that period of time so that he didn't have to stay over there all that time. And That's so- what it was. That's what it was. Let's, 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 call, let's call it a spade a spade. It's not like Scott sent me over there to fill a position. He sent me over there because he didn't want to go. Absolutely. And Rife, Rife, I mean, and honestly, I, I was nervous about going too, but it was such a cool experience. I mean, the people I got to meet there, the uh, the, the, the food, the experience, just living in a completely completely different. I, I, I loved it. I, I enjoyed it. I really well, I, I tell you, it was one of those for me as well. Uh, that period of time when I was going back and forth to the Middle East, and Scott and I actually had made a trip previous to that as in to Malaysia, to Kuala Lumpur okay. together. And uh, so those are some memories that are really great. And uh, the time spent over there with the Sheikh, you know, in the joint oh, yeah. venture that you're part of. I don't know if you ever actually met the Sheikh or not, but I you met a I bunch did. of his people. I think I did. That, those, were, those were a lot of uh, fun times. That was a very big memories. deal to meet the Sheikh. Oh, it was. It was a huge deal to like, <laughs> it was always like, oh, he's coming, he's coming. And like, literally, it was like a celebrity. It's like, you have, don't look at him. You have like two minutes with him, shake his hand, don't ask them. Like, it was very like structured. It was very like, hey, like cautious. You know, and I, I don't know if you've read the book, uh, Blood Blood Money, I think it is. Yeah, Blood and Oil, Blood and Oil. It, was, it came out last year and it's definitely a, a read. It's about, you know, the crown prince of Saudi Arabia who's really taken over yeah yeah and uh anyway it's the, it's the whole story of that and it's really interesting but it speaks in this book about this you know the the saudi sheikhs and the, the princesses and all these type of things and their palaces that they have over there and how they have these rooms these huge rooms that are just lined by couches and all that stuff and i've been in the sheikh's home in one of those rooms and i'm reading that book and i'm going i was there 
You can now, see Talk it. about a strange experience to know how, you know, what that's like. But it was a pretty exciting time for me, who was, you know, 50 at the time or less. <laughs> and, and uh, but that was a great, great experience for me. And one of the cool stories about the shake is because uh, I was on the board of directors of that joint venture over right. there, and uh, we had a board meeting in London. And so we met in London, and uh, the sh- we went to this club, nightclub over in London. And my wife and I are sitting at the table in this nightclub having dinner, and then the dancing started. And we go to the dance floor, and the Sheikh and his wife are out there with us on the dance floor, and we're all dancing together. And my wife leans up to me, and she says, Dancing with the Sheikh <laughs> takes place every day. <laughs> I went, no. <laughs> Honey, don't tell me that. Otherwise, I'm going to start messing up and not being cool. Like, don't get me out of my zone. You know what I mean? Absolutely. No, it was a cool experience. I'm glad you you had a, a good time over there. And, and I do think it was an educational part uh, time for both of us. Oh, no absolutely. Question. I mean, it was just it, just the experience of being exposed to different how people do business over there and and just kind of how the, how it worked. It was just it was it was just a, a very like a personal growth and also professional growth. I mean, it sounds pretty cool to say that you were you know stationed in Saudi Arabia. I feel like you know what I mean. That yeah. part's the no. cool part of it, but I mean also like. It was just it was just like a, a, a boringly fun time because there's not much to do. There's no movies, there's no bars, and nothing like that. But it was a boringly exciting time, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. And I, I don't know if it was you or or who, but I remember a, getting a picture sent to me email where uh, one of the hands was rolling pipe with his. You know how guys stood up on the right. pipe rack and roll yeah. pipe with their feet and he was rolling the pipe with his feet in some sandals no that, that was not you i would if that was not me if that was me i would have shut the job down i would have shut the job down and called saudi's osha out yeah, i mean like this is not okay hsc this is not this good. is not okay because that was my bad previously i was hsc when i was beginning of my career Okay. That's right. So, yeah. So, that wasn't me that sent you that. Okay. Because I saw that and I'm thinking to myself, that's the, I mean, it was typical. Oh, yeah. You you have some Filipino guy working the pipe rack and he's on top of sandals rolling pipe. And nobody cares. Nobody cares. Unbelievable. Yeah. They're like, keep doing that. Get it done. I know. It's crazy. (laughs) It's probably changed by now, or you'd like to think. Uh, I don't know how much it's changed. I doubt it, actually. I kind of doubt it. It's probably gotten worse with less travelers going there, so now now, now they can do what they want. So so let's let's get this kicked off. Um, uh, Let's tell us a little little background about yourself, and kind of let's talk about kind of some points that you want to bring up today. So kick us off. Yeah, so, you know, I go back a ways to the... The Champlin Petroleum Company, kind of, I was a summer hire for them. Where'd you grow up? In East Texas, Carthage, Texas. Oh, yeah. That's where um, my previous Pinergy was uh, from. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So Bernie's at? Bernie movie. Exactly. Exactly. My mom and dad uh, had a a flower shop there in town and knew Bernie personally and, you know, tied in with the funeral home and all that stuff. So. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. But that's, that's it. Yeah. Carthage, Texas. And, uh. Was a summer hire as while I was going to Baylor University. A summer hire working for them was a roustabout, and and uh, kind of that was my exposure to the oil and gas industry. That was your first exposure. First exposure, and uh, so they told me if I uh, got took one geology course my senior year that they'd offer me a job. Now this is in the eight, 1980, right? So it's the height of the oil patch. It's yeah. booming. You know, there's 4,500 rigs running or whatever the case. Can you imagine? It was that much. 4,500 rigs. I don't think you could be unsuccessful. 
I think you'd have to try not to be successful <laughs> if there's 4,500 rigs yeah. as a salesperson. Yeah, can you imagine? Uh, so we would be, I, I started off as on a cement and crew, bulk truck, learning the business with BJ, went to work for BJ right out of college. Champlin offered me a job, but I took $50 more a month. And Well, what made you go to the oil field? I mean, you did a summer internship doing some tough work, some tough labor. So what brought you back well, in? And well, you the last summer I was there, uh, I worked half the summer in the district office in Longview with the district engineer doing, you know, well well, uh, well analysis okay. on wells they drilled in the Austin Chalk. And, and they, were, they, had, they were fracking those wells back then. They were, they were doing frack work in the Austin Chalk in the 80s, in the 70s. And I don't know, I'm just drawn to it. You know, I like the people. The, yeah. and, and, you know, the, the, they were, I interviewed with Bayroid. I interviewed with a lot of different companies back then. To, to do what? To go into sales. Oh, really? Yeah, to go into sales. So did you graduate in, in, in marketing? Yeah, in marketing management. There you degree. go. Okay, yeah. okay. Yeah. Okay. Degree in mar- MBA, uh, MM, uh, BBA in marketing management. And uh, so... Yeah, they said, hey, let's go to work in the oil field. And I'd, salesman had taken Bill, and I'd tagged along to lunch. And so I got the visual. Can I kind of pause you for a second? Because yeah. I am so fascinated about the oil field back in the 80s and all that stuff. And I, I, I love hearing stories. My old boss, Bubba Smith, would always tell me stories. And it just sounded so much fun. It sounded like it was just a great group of people, always like just friends and jokes and, 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 and just, you know, whatever it was. What was sales what, – what was your – idea of sales back then <laughs> well yeah so it was what uh, was sales back then how about that it was uh depending on the the individual that you were calling on okay so you know if you called on somebody that was real business focused and and they t- brought along a guy that was a summer hire doing some stuff you know then it was professional but it was right. fun and you went out and you ate some barbecue and you know that type of thing but but boy, soon did you realize that in the '80s, it was <clears throat> no holes barred, right? I mean, there were, and you've heard the stories, and and it, I mean, I'm sure it goes on today. But there were people that were calling business, yeah, would end up with boats in their driveway, oh, just a, yeah. shotguns being delivered to their home. It was crazy. And I almost, because Champlin offered me a position to be the procurement manager uh, in uh, Giddings, Texas. Before procurement was cool. Before procurement was cool. Right. And it's probably a good thing that I didn't go down that road because I might have been in jail because I probably would have been the biggest graft and corruption guy on the planet back in the 20s. Are you kidding me? Instead, I went into oil field sales and probably should have been in jail many times well, as well. Either you're going to be in jail or retired <laughs> if you went to procurement. So, okay, so you're going there, you're finding a job in sales. So after after and then and then, and then so I went through a training pro, sales training program uh, for for 10 months and uh, moved to Houston in 1981 and have been here ever since. Really? Okay. And spent 9 years with BJ and through that, you know, name changed BJ Hughes to BJ Titan owned by uh, dresser Industries, uh, you know, just the whole gamut. Um, in 1989, left and went to work for uh, oil and gas rental services out of Morgan City, Louisiana. Uh, a guy named Red Adams okay. on that company, still alive today, and still his, his, all five of his sons were involved in the business at one point in time. And I was with them from 1989 in sales. And then sometime in the, after I'd been there a decade, um, 
I became the vice president of sales uh, for that company. And then uh, Allie Energy, I mean, Alice Chalmers, Alice Chalmers uh, bought Red Adams Company, oil and gas rental, in uh, December of 2006. Okay. And so I came over in that. And, and of course, it kind of takes me back on a little pause here. I, wanna, I really appreciate what you're doing, JP. And I think I mentioned this to you the, earlier. What you're doing is you're preserving the history of this industry and, and the fun that was had, but also the, the seriousness of each and every person you bring on as it relates to their experiences and the companies that they represent or they've represented or that their parents have represented or it may be even be third generation of the grandparents represented. And there's a component of what you're doing that I think is vital to what really has become my passion. We'll get into that. Well do you feel do you feel like there's a certain certain elements of the old field that I guess have that 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 make it so great. Do you feel that there's certain elements that have kind of been kind of fizzled out or kind of uh, cut off or, or not as active or as live anymore? Well, I, I do. And there's no question. I think that, that, um, you know, certainly technology, whether it be cell phones or pagers, you know, you started to go back to the day when it was a pager, but you know, it used to be where you had to have face to face, almost face to face interaction with, you had to with, with each other in the industry, whether you know other salesmen uh, and or certainly the the operator, right? Okay, whether and it had to go from the field level all the way up to the executive level and everything in between. And the executives with yours with any oilfield service company was calling on the executives with the operator, and 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 there was so there was these relationships that were built, and through those relationships, there was a lot of uh, positive things that went on, whether it related to charities or related you know, helping hands, helping people. And in these cycles that we've been through, we certainly have seen that played out. Yes. And I, I, I'm not saying it's lost. It's not lost, hopefully. You know, I'm, what I'm saying is, is that because of technology and because of the state of our industry and because of the ge- geopolitical, uh, you know, sabotage that's taken place as it relates to our industry yep. and what we do. Yep. There's an educational component and a, a, a historical component to our industry that needs to be preserved and told. And I believe you're a part of that process in a very positive way. Well, I just kind of like just – well, thank you first off. I just kind of like enjoyed this because it was one of those things This kind of started. It's like, man, I've had so many great conversations, whether it's on the tee box, whether it's at lunch, whether it's in meetings, where it's like when we're not talking business, we're just kind of shooting the shit, talking about whatever. And it's been such like a great conversation, and I'm just trying to bring the person behind the position out there you know what i mean and whether it's stories and all that stuff and uh, and that's the thing though that's what i love about industry also it, it seems like it drives you there too it's the relationships it's the community it's the families and um it's it's frustrating uh as a salesperson to uh, for example host a you know before this covid it was to host a happy hour and all that stuff and you invite you know 10 customers and you know Nine of them have to go home to what it's just like, man, I just wish we had that stuff that I heard that, you know, Bubba Smith talked about, or, or I wish we had the group, the, the, the community that we had, because look, I mean, my best friends are in the oil field, but it's like, I wish that community was bigger and more active, if that makes sense. And not just showing up at OHH, which is a great thing, or AADE or uh, IDC tournaments. I'm talking about like 
on a Tuesday, like, hey, look, you know, we're going to meet up with blah, blah, blah at XYZ. And that's a standard place to meet up. And we're all going to go there. We're going to connect. That's the stuff I miss. Not the big events, but like the everyday get togethers. Absolutely. Well, you had Kelsey Dean on uh, recently. And I love that podcast because he took me down memory lane. And, you know, one of the things that he was talking about is when he broke in, of course, his dad and his, his uncle are in the business and, and, uh, they're contemporaries of mine. And, and so, you know, I know those guys are, and are know of those guys. And, and we've certainly been to golf tournaments together and, and, and who knows whatever happy hours and bars over the years as oh, well. Yeah. But, but, you know, he took us down, he took me down memory lane. Lane and I really enjoy that podcast because he talked about guys like Mike Stetson and Tommy yeah. Fusell and those guys were were with Alice Chalmers and uh, they were part of a, a previous organization that that uh, Alice Chalmers had bought and uh, so when I came in and I helped merge those two sales organizations together the oil and gas rental sales organization with that existing sales organization that was with Alice Chalmers in 2007 yeah. it was a, and it was fun to get to know those guys and so some of the things he talked about about going by their shop and hanging out with them and the things that took place I knew those were real yeah. and it, it brought back memories but to, to be able to truly communicate that and hold on to that you know I believe what you're doing and hopefully what more of us can do is kind of educate this this generation that's behind us you know you're in your 40s now and thank and you you've got 20s and 30 year olds that are in the business that just don't know the some of the stories and some of the relationships and how they impacted this industry as it relates to what we talk about as family, what we talk about as fun, and what we talk about that really, really what it means to, to, to know your customer, to know your your the company, the service provider, to know them on, on that intimate level. Too often today, we're just that. We're just a service provider. And that's the thing. And, that, and that's kind of what's frustrating, too, because it's like <clears> – <throat> You, we can we can go to work every day and do our job and clock out, go home, call it that. But I guarantee you that the the level of enjoyment and fulfillment and connection and fun will be there if those relationships are if if you understand that a huge unspoken proponent of our industry is the friendships we make or are the relationships we make are your children going up with, with my children. It's it's one of those things where it's like we are a community and it's. It's not something that's like, look, if you, whether you want to hear the old stories or not, make your own stories. Absolutely. Go make your own stories. Go do your own thing. Like, I, I'm excited about that. Like, start your own connections. Like, build your own community because that's what makes our industry so unique. If not, it's going to be a medical industry, you know, where you can't do anything fun. It's just a transactional thing. Absolutely. No, and a community, it, it's it. This, this oil and gas industry that we've been a part of. Uh, I've been a part of for 40 years it is absolutely that a community and yeah. I've got a lot of guys that have been there and done it and that are retired and some that are still fighting the fight oh yeah they want and, to sing. absolutely and, and they don't want to go to the house they don't want to go to the house and and so I am uh, the biggest cheerleader for 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 this industry and for those guys and and one of the things that you know I started Sage Brothers Consulting back in May May of 20. So first off, May of 2020. So this is like a month and a half in of lockdown. Yeah, of lockdown, lockdown. And so I had, I had left the oil and gas industry at the end of 16 and joined a friend of mine to in, in senior living. Right. And he had a couple of uh, communities, 
senior living, assisted living, independent living, assisted living, memory care in Dallas, and and he was going to expand into Houston and beyond. And so <clears throat> I joined him in the effort to to help him do exactly that, and we did that. And so last year, uh, it, it was at a place where I realized I missed oil and gas. And I only, I only missed oil and gas, but I recognized the fact that I had – the the network and the skill sets to not just help uh, build companies or or change companies or transition companies and I think transition is really the word I like to kind of stop and and hone in on Why? because well because there in everything we do and certainly on the heels of the pandemic whenever that may or may not come about in the near future there's going to be transitions for companies companies that or transition companies are going to have to transition and and go through a transition to get back on track let me ask you a question though for listeners out there and uh, for myself as well when you say how would i know if i was a company right now that needed uh, uh guidance or something like that through transition is that something that you identify or is that some companies that come to you say hey look we need help i mean is that some i mean how does that well it's it's pretty obvious if you if you're struggling it's pretty obvious that if you've got uh, if, if you've got a company that has been successful but for whatever reason is struggling right now. Now there are certainly uh, rig count forces people to struggle a yeah. lack of it. That's right. <laughs> if you do it specifically in this industry, but there are all kind of of businesses that are out there, and and you know. I'm in the baby boomer generation, and there's a lot of us who've started companies, entrepreneurs, in and out of the oil and gas industry, certainly in all facets of industry, all facets of, of uh, you know business. And they're in that place in their life where they go, I've created a successful business. I've uh, generated you know great income for right. my family, right. and I'm ready to to spend some time and enjoy that. I don't want to fight the grind every day. Right. And I may have a son or a daughter, or a family member, or I may want to try to transition this company to 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 be prepare, prep it for sale, to be purchased by somebody else, to or for whatever reason. But it's not quite ready for that. Or we we're, we've gone through this period of struggle, and that company needs to be looked at and right sized and refocused and and restructured, and maybe some training take place or some you know some a leadership oversight. There's a lot of those types of things that take place inside of a transition from whatever the transition looks like. And it wears many hats. Transition is for every company, whether it goes from pre-pandemic to post-pandemic, if you just focus on what took place in 2020. But there are all kinds of companies that are in transition for from ownership, one person's ownership to another. And, it, it, you know, I'm, I'm kind of drawn to this idea because I'm not tied to the oil and gas industry. I've got experience outside of it. Right. And uh, I've done consulting work for, for several years outside of the industry as well. Um, in 2011, when I had a brief period of time when I'd left Archer after Archer had bought Alice right. Chalmers or merged with Alice Chalmers. Sewell had merged with Alice Chalmers. Um, but it's a it's a exciting time for me because I get to take what I understand about um, – leadership and relationships and people because it's all about people people and good people and and capable people and people that are trained and people that are motivated and people that are uh, empowered are the people that uh, make businesses successful 
And so if you get the right people and you get them communicating in the proper way with the right focus, then you can overcome obstacles that are getting in the way of your success. Or and, this, get, and this is all just stuff that you've learned through real-world experiences throughout your career from when you started off to where you're at today. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And the different positions I've held with different companies and the different companies that I've been with and starting helping start a, you know, a company back in 2012 – and uh, and growing that company and adding companies and merging those companies in, you know, through through M and A. So all of that stuff has contributed to where I sit today and what I I, I know I can do. And that's that. So I looked at y'all's. I looked I looked at Sage Brothers Consultant website. Sage Sage Brothers Consultant. I'm fine. I'm pulling up right now. Yeah, yeah. I looked at Sage Brothers Consultant uh, website and it's 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 pretty comprehensive. It's, it's how would I'm guess I'm trying to say is how would an end user understand that they need that the, besides the the father handing it down to the son or besides this to improve processes or improve whatever that it looks like how do people identify that uh, that it's might be time to open up a conversation with you or with Sage Brothers or a company like that to to kind of come in and look at their processes look at their people look at uh, what they're doing and how to transition or or grow or even just kind of uh, uh, shave off the fat that that that's slowing you down. Well, I think that's the the thing is that every uh, individual, whether they're running a company or they're the founder of the company or they've acquired the company or whatever whatever they happen to be, they're going to know that they that they're either stagnant or in decline or they're not growing at the speed they want or they've got some internal strife or the culture's not right. There's all kind of factors that play into that, and they're going to know that. I mean, it's not going to be like they're going to go, I wonder if I have a problem. Right. They're going to know that something's not right. And so that's where it's just a matter of first and foremost having a conversation. They, if, if they know who I am and they know uh you know, through my website or LinkedIn page that this is my experience and this is what I'm doing. It's just a simple, let's have a conversation. Okay. And then if Mark Patterson can't convince them that I can help them in the direction that they want to go in whatever transition and whatever that looks like, and or and quite honestly, if I can't, I'll tell you, I go, mm, you probably need a forensic accountant. Right. You probably need somebody else. What I do is this, and and I can help you do that. So, so tell me about – walk me through on kind of, I guess, um, uh, from, I guess, January 2020 until uh, April, May 2020 is when, I guess, it's you, you, you started it, right? Right. Can you walk me through the process and kind of uh, your mindset and, and kind of how, like, I guess, jumping and taking the plunge of starting your own company, building the website – establishing your contacts, tell them what you're doing, uh, kind of the whole business process behind that and kind of uh, what was some of the stuff that you kind of met with resistance and kind of what the stuff that kind of, you know, lit the fire in your ass and kind of pro- propelled you to do it. Well, so, yeah, that, there really wasn't any uh, specific thing other than I knew I wanted out of the senior living business. Okay. And, and my, uh, good that, get, that gets old. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. Nice pun. Thank my you. My dad. Yeah. No, and, and, you know, the the owner of that company and I had been friends for a long, long time, and he knew me, and so he knew I wasn't happy in the process. Right. We had, I'd done what I, I had promised him I'd do. I'd, I'd, we'd opened up the communities here in Houston, and we'd moved on. And, and so he just said, Mark, he said, if you're missing the old patch or you want to do something different, I'm all for it. I'm, gonna, I'm behind you 100%. And so it was one of those things where I knew I didn't want to work 
you know, I'd worked for I'd worked for somebody. I'd worked for somebody my whole career. You know, I'd had a boss. Yeah. Even though I was president of a company and CEO of a company, I had still had a boss. I reported to a board. I reported to somebody. I thought, you know what? If I start my own company and I can truly help people and I can serve people in this capacity, then I'm working for myself, but I'm working for everybody. Whoever it is, I'm still working for somebody, but I want to help them and serve them in whatever capacity. And you can do it in the way you want to. And I can do it in the way I know I can be successful in doing it. And so it's a... it, that's that was the thing that motivated me, and my wife was a hundred percent behind that, and that pushed, helped pushed tremendously. Me, no question. And so, the, what what twenty twenty did is it gave us the time to put it together because you know everything has kind of had kind of been become stagnant. Well, let's wait and see what's happening. Yep. And so that's really the, the situation a lot of companies are in now. They're still in that deal, but we're still in that mode, but we're about to start to see things open up and a transition to take place. And so it's in that transition that I think that I can be a service to a lot of different people. And you and I talked about this before we came on that in, in during times like this, whether it's, uh, you know, during COVID, it's, it's when everything got locked down, it sucks. Can't see your customers, can't do this, can't do that. New way of doing business, new way of this, new way of doing that. And it was very frustrating for a lot of people because the people, the tools that people that have used historically, you can't use. And we talked about like during COVID, starting something new. Uh, you, a company, me, a podcast. Uh, you, this, me. It was one of those things where it's like you can either look at the situation like, yes, this sucks. Let's dive into that suckiness and just stay in the mud and just oh, woohoo. Let's wait till the rain pa-. or. You can try to do something with that, and it's one of those things where it's like, it doesn't matter if if you get out there and pursue your passion. I'm not saying like I'm going to start a company in, in your thing, or even even it's a side thing, whether it's a podcast or whether it's a, a hosting something at your house for getting customers over for steaks and all that. Whatever that is, um, there's ways that you can actually interject some new life, new fire, uh, new motivation, and connect on different ways. So it's kind of how you look at your circumstances of, of everything, in my opinion. I agree. And, and also, it also has to do with the people that are in your camp or in your corner or who are helping you and empowering you. And I had, that's kind of where the name Sage Brothers came from, Sage being wise, but brothers being that I had this, I have this band of brothers. I have this brotherhood with so many people oh, who yeah. have been encouraging and have have been with me for years, whether it be as a customer yep. or as a as a mentor. And when I told them that I was going to start this company, it was amazing how much, um, you know, how much encouragement I got to do exactly That's that. Awesome. And so that was just another confirming thing. I mean, you know, and and it was confirmed when I got a call from from one of the shareholders, the one of the. Uh, brothers that uh, of of Lee C. Moore, right? So I sit on the uh, board of directors of Lee C. Moore, and that came about last year as well. Right after I started the company, I joined that board in in July, and uh, it was a you know, great story on how it came about. But the but the, that's where I really got the, this passion about the history of our industry, is because I didn't know that Lee C. Moore was founded in 1907 and that, you know, some of the first steel that they produced was put into the Brooklyn Bridge and then, you know, 
you know, down the road into the 1930s, they, I have a note here. I wanted to make, be specific about it because, yeah, they, there's such a long and storied history with Lee Seymour. It started drawing me to the history of this industry. You know, like in 1907, it was founded in Pittsburgh. Yep. And then the Colonel Drake, right? No, 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 no. I'm talking about the, the company Lee Seymour. Wait, I'm talking about the first one. Well, I just talked about that. Well, that yeah, was in the 1800s. Well, yeah, right. okay. So in 1907, the test. This you company, passed. Yeah, I passed. So <laughs> they, you know, they were the first to engineer and build a steel derrick. It was wooden. All the derricks were wooden before that. So they were first to build a steel derrick, and then they would build a cantilever utilizing you know, a, the draw works to lower and raise it. And that was in 1912, they patented that system of clamping steel, bracing steel pipe legs to build a steel oil derrick. And then from there, they, you know, in the 1920s, they became a prominent designer and manufacturer of steel oil derricks. And then they helped adopt the API standards for that process. And, uh, you know, in 1936, their design team developed a jackknife derrick, derrick, which was, you know, comprised of welded steel. Oh, man, we know the jackknife derrick over here. Absolutely. Yes. And so it was, it, they were the first to do that, cantilever mask. And then there was there at the uh, Petroleum uh, you know, Exposition in Tulsa in 1938. So there's all kind of history that goes with this company, and they're still in business today. And so they called me up, and they they were going through this transition, and uh, they wanted me to to consider joining the board. And there's four brothers that that are the uh, four shareholders, and I said to to John John Woolslayers, the th- the third of the four boys, he worked with us at Alice Chalmers back in right. 2008, yeah. 2009, 2010, and uh, it was his dad's company, and uh, they the boys had gotten that company back, and um, just you know. Recently, they were, had always been minority owners, but now they're the majority shareholders. They the four owners, and I said, John, I said I'd, I'd love to join the board, but I won't do that unless uh, all the shareholders, since there's only four of you, if I meet them and they all check the box. And so I met with them in June, and and they did, and so we started the process of that transition of what where that company had been and what they were doing in in. The, in the current marketplace of 2020 with... You have you know, to look at it. All the Mass and, and Derricks have been built for who knows why. There may be one built here and one built there, and we want to be the company that builds those. But certainly we had to look at diversification. We had to look at other things to say, hey, we want this company, Lee Seymour, that was started in 1907 to remain in this industry's you know, servicing, so another serving the OEM. We, we, there's yeah. a tons of Mass and Derricks out there that Lisey Moore was the OEM, and we want to maintain those relationships with those companies. And Scott Keller's company is one of those companies that yeah. that that we're doing that with. That's got to be a fun kind of engaging conversation, though, to kind of sit down and say, "All right, guys, we've been in business for 115 years doing X, Y, Z." We're faced with unprecedented times, the new normal. I hate that. But uh, how do we transition? How do we move forward right now? And I think that's probably such a, an innovative, uh, engaging conversation where literally ideas are welcome. Well, it was. It was, and in fact, it was the you know. Besides joining the board, it became one of the first consulting jobs that I actually did. Oh, really? Last year, and it was uh, 
And so I spent some, you know, three months working with their new president and CEO to, to, to help position that company and, and transition that company to where they are today. And with, with a, uh, you know, with a stability and, a, and the ability to grow and thrive in the international marketplace as well as domestically. And so it's an exciting, it's exciting. And so as I was having these conversations with other people about the history, just like I am you, and then you invite me to come to the podcast and be a part of it, and knowing what I believe you're doing as it relates to, to you know, holding on to our history and passing it down, and I reached out to the IADC to say, hey, you know, what's what's out there and available that y'all might have and and so the president of the IADC and I had a great conversation this is this by the way listeners out there we we chat about this briefly this is pretty cool stuff so keep going so you know he he said we've got this website this interactive website and I want to really promote it because I think it's something that that we who are listening who are obviously you know believe in the oil oil and gas industry and the importance of it in our you know, in our world still today, as well as uh, in our in the United States of America, I think there's, this can be a real educational tool for not only um, us and those that are coming behind us, but it can be a real educational tool that we could use for um, friends, family, and and those others that are outside of our industry in our sphere of influence to say we still matter. This industry still matters. And one of the things that JP, before I get into the website, JP that really uh, inspired me as well was seeing your your um, My daughter, your daughter, She's you a girl. Took her, no, so yeah, so 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 he's talking about a post I made on LinkedIn. Um, I think a week or two weeks ago, uh, I brought my daughter to the to the Houston Museum of Natural Science, and on the fourth floor there, there's an excellent ex. I know people are thinking that there's like, man, I've been to that, you know, four or five years ago. It was on the second floor. It was very dark, very dingy, run down. It was it was kind of a it was gross walking through. You know what I mean? But they moved it to the fourth floor, and this this this, this wonderful exhibit on energy hydrocarbons and then it goes into renewables and what hydrocarbons are part of what you know medicine tool and it's it's so fun it's new it's interactive and i and i my daughter calls it hey i want to go where daddy works because you know i tell her i told her i worked offshore and this daddy was on this rig and this type of rig you know go you know go make a stand you know whatever and then uh but anyway she it's it's one of those things where it's like it's very enjoyable it's it's interactive it's very clean it's 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 cool you know and i made it and i posted a picture something about there because on this podcast we discuss being advocates for our industry and educating and and having conversations versus planting your flag and saying you need us it's 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 conversation it's not it's not about being the bully at the table it's 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 about being welcomed to the table you know we want to get to that point where it's like hey oil and gas come here sit down we need you and that was kind of the the, the start of that and you uh, just brought up this website before that you're about to talk about which first time I've heard about it which is frustrating it it, it, it is because the first time I'd heard of it as well and it's it's a website that's the IEDC put put out there uh, several years ago, I think back to 2018 or 17. It's called Drilling Matters, and it's drillingmatters.iadc.org. So drillingmatters.iadc.org. And it is a, just like you're talking about. It's an interactive website. It's amazing. That you can go through and you can learn all about the rig. You can learn all about the drilling process. You can learn all about 
the the uses that 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 oil and natural gas are in you know in our environment in our in our country in our world in our culture and and the and how vital those things are and that's the part that we are getting hammered about you know in the media and in this in this idea of green not that the green's not not good because green is good but green can't take place if we go away that is that's the thing there is no light switch to turn on and off there is no the the infrastructure cost to establish x number of charging stations it's just not there and so the website he's talking about again is drillingmatters.iadc.org and i'm going to put a link to this uh when actually i'll probably even make a post about this in the meantime because this is pretty so it, I'll, I'll put a link to it when, when we release this episode but uh it, it, it talks about you know who needs us and why what do we do how how we provide and there's one here that i think is so it's so uh relevant and per- pertinent to it today it goes what would a world without oil and gas look like and it just kind of talks about the influence and the impact of oil and gas and how it provides energy. And anyway, really great website. And, I, and I'm definitely going to start promoting this because I think this is exactly kind of what we've been talking about on Around the Rotary, this type of stuff. Absolutely. Absolutely. And so I'm, I'm thrilled that I have the opportunity to to bring that up. And, and talking to Jason McFarland, the president of IADC, he also, you know, told me about, you know, in at least 10 of the universities, you know, LSU, A&M and others, uh, they have, you know, a uh, – uh, they have the student chapters. Yeah, student chapters. And so, you know, they're in the universities uh, – promoting our industry and educating those that are thinking about entering our industry but you know we don't if we don't take up the mantle here and stand uh, erect and 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 try to educate those that are in our sphere of influence about how vital this industry still is then we're not doing what we should do well we're also relinquishing control where we allow someone else to write Absolutely. What we're all about. Absolutely. So the IADC's got that Drilling Matters website, the interactive websites. It's awesome. And uh, and so we're really excited about – I'm really excited about being able to promote that. It's a great website. I, I kind of want to go down different rabbit holes with you. But before I do, I kind of want to talk to you about uh, – go back to real quick one last question uh, with Sage Brothers, unless you want to discuss it further. Um, what Are you seeing any common themes of trends when it comes to companies transitioning right now? Is there like a hot trend like, oh, work from home or I, I don't know what that looks like or transitioning to this type of, I mean, growth. Is there a trend that you're seeing or is it just kind of an ad hoc a la carte uh, base? Well, you, we certainly have seen it in 2020. And that is, you know, it's sad because the, the small businessman has really truly been the one that's been harmed in this. You know, the oh, the Amazons and the Costco's dude, and the get, Walmarts of the world. If you start getting on that, right. if you start me on that road, I don't, I don't want to start it. It's, you know, right. the, yeah, the mom and pop shops, the independent small businesses have been screwed. Absolutely. And the bars and the restaurants and all the all, every screwed. facet of it. Oh, but Walmart's good. Yeah. Amazon's good. That's all good. Well, I'm not saying we didn't need those. I mean, we did. But, but we should have been able to keep those other businesses open and vibrant as well. Amen and I think that. we missed it. And I so I think that there's a lot of business in it. And I tell you, the, the, I think one of the biggest um, industries that's, that's, that's 
is going to really see some areas of change is in the real estate business. You know, not so much maybe commercial real estate, hopefully, but certainly in these office buildings. Because even the companies that are going to keep office space, they're only going to need half of it because they realize now that they can – Part, people can work from home some. People can work from home a lot. You know, people can work from, three, you know, three years ago, this wasn't possible. Five years ago, this, ten years ago, this has been a, a, an imagination. It's possible now. And now companies have been forced to do that. They're understanding that now. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I'm working with a company right now, too, that's uh, Imperial Utility Services. And they're, they're basically do a uh, full analysis of whether it be commercial real estate or even residential, they do uh, analysis on your utility bills. And then they can direct you and give you options on how to lower your utility costs. And, of course, in the real estate market, uh, for big buildings and stuff, those are contractual. But when the contract expires, you can utilize this company's services to really – Get make sure that you hone in on what the best rates are yeah. for you, whether it be electrical, gas, or whatever. And so, I'm I'm working with that company to help develop a sales process and develop some other things. And so, that's got to be so exciting to get involved in other industries, other businesses. And you know what I like about that, honestly. So besides, you know, you helping people out and helping companies out, that's that's the point of your business. Love it, dig it, I love it. But what I also appreciate more is that you have history in the oil field. And you are talking to people that are not in the oil field, that may not have any contact with the oil field. And you're there, and you're such a good representative of our industry. I think that's also a great part of it. Well, I appreciate that. I, I, I want to be that ambassador for sure uh, as it relates to this industry because I grew up in it. It's been so good for me and my family. I mean, I've got the five boys. Oh, yeah. And uh, and so I, I really appreciate uh, this industry and what it's done for me and my family. And I want I want to see it flourish again. I've got too many friends that are still in this industry like you, JP, yeah. that uh, you know we, we want to see it uh, come back and, and flourish. And I think there is the, the, those opportunities are there. It will look different. It will look different than it, than it did you know before. And, and so many industries and so many companies are, are going to be just like that. And so well how's it going to be different? In your opinion. Yeah, well, I think what you well, we just talked about how before you couldn't operate from home like you can today. I mean, right. Zoom meetings have truly changed the way things. Uh, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. And podcasts and, and this, these types of communications uh, are, 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 are very much real and are going to continue to thrive and grow. The key component, I think, is we have to figure out a way to still bring people together because it's through relationships and through the interaction of people and personality that companies really can can be all that they can be. And you know what? That's to me. Look, I think the IDC events are awesome. I think I think the AD events are awesome. The Ofield Helping Hands, awesome. I really do love industry events. That being said. It's not going to be three industry events a year, and we call it a community. This is one of those things, just like Kelsey Dean was talking about. Was the was was it Snap? Yes, yeah. yes. And it's it's these type of things where it's like contact four or five of your sales buddies, six or seven of your sales buddies, and all that stuff. Have them all invite one or two customers. Y'all meet up somewhere. Do this. Da, da, da. Don't wait on the industry events to do your groups and all that stuff. I would advise everyone to set your own little kind of 
not clicks. That's a bad term, but I would say set your own little uh, little functions up. You know, get together, start meeting people, just like you used to get the relationships going. Right, and and it, it was more. It was very important pre-pandemic, but I think as we come out of this, there'll be people have will have gotten into that. Oh, I'm not leaving the house. I don't need I'm, to. I don't need to talk to Mark. Right. I haven't talked to him in we're, nine months. That's where we're going to have to really encourage people to get back out. And if we have to do it under the guise of, hey, we really need to help our good bar friend down here, our bartender out down here who needs needs employer. Whatever, use whatever it is that that you need to use. But let's get people back out and and back into. Uh, interacting with each other personally, because I think that is, if we don't do that, then we're going to have really lost something that we, we in this industry have certainly enjoyed over many, 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 many years. Well, I agree with that. I mean, if, here's the deal. If, if we do this whole work from home thing and zoom thing, I'd be hesitant to open up about um, issues with, uh, you know, my family, my daughter. Oh, I'm going through this. Oh, this happened to my dad or this happened. Those vulnerable conversations that you have with customers or with, or with other fellow salespeople or whether they're procurement, whoever they are in the industry, those vulnerable conversations, genuine vulnerable conversations, they don't exist over Zoom. They really don't. You know what I mean? But if you're in those group settings and you're talking to people and you pull someone aside and you start talking, that's when those connections are made. That's when those connections are deepened. When you have those real life, non-Zoom bullshit conversations where it's like it might just be a, it might be one of those things where you're being you know vulnerable or you might be just kind of providing advice to someone else who's coming to you but you're not going to have that opportunity if it's over zoom if it's over your computer screen that's right you, and <clears throat> you really it's all about service and and serving mankind and serving your fellow man and inside of community you can do that best yes and it's really difficult to do that on a zoom call no you question. can't do it on a Zoom call. Right. <laughs> in my, in my, in, in, I mean, in my opinion. Right, right. No, I agree. I agree. And that's why we're sitting across the table from each other. Because well, that's well what, let me ask yeah. you a question. What else can be done? I, I, you know, it's, it's really about the people. So you really have to get face, and that's that's one of I think one of the strengths of what I do and what I bring to the table with Sage Brothers is I I can sit in a room with people and I can facilitate the conversations. And with the proper communication, get to the place where we've identified whatever the issues are and how we need to get to the other side or what steps we need to take to get from point A to point B. Yeah. I think that's what I, I, my, my real strength is, but it can't be done you know, afar. It has to be done in, in the mix. Well, you're not going to understand the complete picture. Unless Absolutely. You, unless and that person. comes with evaluation and analysis, no question. Right. And, and, and the thing is, though, if, if you're talking about getting out there, starting something, don't wait for someone else to do it. You do it. And I'll tell you what, if it sucks, do it again. If it sucks again, keep doing it. Yeah. Like, you, you learn from your mistakes. Yeah, no I'm, I'm, I'm doing I'm doing a, a, a comedy uh, satire conversation tonight on Clubhouse. It's about terminators and the resistance. Terminators running on renewables and the resistance running on oil and gas. And I'm making the comparison. Kind of uh, fun stuff like that. It's a stand, it's just a bullshit conversation. You know what I mean? That's 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 kind of what it is. And I kind of forget where I was going to this, but it's one of those things where it's like. You gotta have these. You gotta connect people. It can't be all business. It can't be over Zoom and just like, okay, well, good talk. Talk to you soon. Boop. That's right. it. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. No, it, it is. But and I and I hope that we get back to that place where we're not 
all sitting at home doing Zoom calls. And unfortunately, right now we still are, but it's, we, I, we must transition to a different place, and we need to do it sooner than later. Because whether you like it or not, the oil and gas industry isn't a, a steel industry. It's a people industry. Absolutely. I agree with that. No doubt. No doubt. You know, there's some there's some great books out there too that that I've just read. Well, are you a reader? Or are you an audio listener? Well, you know, I, I uh, well, I am an audio listener. For how sure. is okay? How is that going, by the way? Because <laughs> I, I I downloaded Audible in November, and I'm like, okay, boom, I got a credit. Oh, that's one credit a month. I'm gonna breeze through like five books. I'm still on my first credit. Well, so I. I, I all the audio listening to books I used to do when I traveled out to West Texas. Right. So from here to West Texas, I'd drive it and I'd listen to books, you know. And and but but as of late, I've been doing a lot more reading. But there's some books that I've read years ago that I would highly recommend as it relates to the history and education of this industry. And like one of those books is the Seven Sisters. And you know, what's that it, about? It's a, it's about it, the history of of OPEC and the oil and gas giants that were in this country, you know, the, uh, the breakup of the standard the, oil, standard oil yeah. and how that all ended up with the different companies and how then they started the basically the 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 exploration of oil and gas in Saudi Arabia and so it's all about that and it's uh, it's called The Seven Sisters by Anthony Sampson 1975 The Great Oil Companies and the World They Made Okay. It's a really interesting book about the history of all of that, that we, where we've come from. What else you got? And then the prize. I saw that on your on the uh, on your uh, shelf, bookshelf earlier. Daniel Jurgen, nineteen ninety one, an epic quest for oil, money, and power. So nineteen ninety one. That was right when I, was that the Gulf War. I was eleven years old. So wasn't that the Gulf War. Yeah. So that was written during that time. Yeah. So okay, okay, the prize. And then the the latest one, it just came out last year, and it's Blood and Oil, Bradley Hope and Justin Sheck. What's that about? It's about uh, the Crown Prince of Saudi Arabia and all that's transpired in the last four or five years as it relates to him and the and the whole movement in the Middle East and specifically in Saudi to uh, capitalize on the oil, but to transition, transition, there's the word again, transition that the, the company's reliance on oil money into more and to take Saudi Arabia into, you know, with, with relieving, releasing, you know, uh, the restrictions surrounding movies and the Western yes, culture and, yes. and the covering of women, which all there's that stuff. A, which which I had I had uh, someone on. Uh, there's a big push pull for that. There's the old school uh, uh, people that, and this obviously I'm I'm American, so I can't speak for Saudis. But there was a pull and push between the younger generation who has cell phones, who who's texting, Snapchatting, da da da. And there's the older generation who wants to preserve the historical ways and all that stuff. Everyone that comes on the podcast always talks about these career development, personal growth books, da, 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 all that stuff. I love how you – so you really enjoy the history and kind of the nuts and bolts of our industry, kind of how we came from where we were to where we're at. Well, certainly that's kind of where I'm, I'm – I love passion. that. Though. My passion is right now. I think previous, I love that. Yeah, I think previously in the you know maybe a decade ago, uh, I started really uh, I really got into a, a, a friend of mine uh, turned me on to John Maxwell and, and all things leadership. John Maxwell. John Maxwell. He's wrote written many many books on leadership. Okay, is that the, that 
Okay, go on. And so anyway, I I became a real um, that that was that was one of the things that really transitioned uh, me from being the the leader who I thought I was to the leader that I wanted to be. And it's really been probably the one thing that's been instrumental in my life to help me be, you know, be the Sage Brothers and and, and to group in those individuals who have been instrumental in my life to help me in in my consulting business. Because that's the thing. If something comes up and somebody's got a question that I can't answer, I've got a whole host of a network of people, of, of brothers that are out there that I can call and get get input from so it's uh it's all about the relationships and serving servant leadership and so john maxwell i would i would absolutely um encourage the listening base to pull up some john maxwell's books and and listen to those on taper on tape look well, at how the, old am i you listen on, on tape you listen on the old, <laughs> listening on a record but make sure the sun goes down because the power's going to shut off. So, so it's like a roughneck Jerry yeah, like studio. You asked me when I first came in, what's the kind of music do you like? Uh, well, classic no, rock, not, buddy. No, I'm, no. So I'm getting my daughter. I've got my daughter's favorite song right now is TNT by ACDC. Oh, She's there you seven. Go. She'll, she loves. I'm trying to get her to differentiate between Black Sabbath with Ozzy and Ozzy being solo. So this is a big deal in our household. Okay, all right. No, but what I, what I love about this is like. You know, people come on, and, and, and don't get me wrong, I love all these personal growth books, and I love hearing about them and all stuff. I just haven't gotten into them. I, I just I just haven't. I don't know why. I don't know if it's one of those things where it's like, man, I'm trying to just be me, do my own thing. I'm trying to see what works and all stuff. I don't want to be kind of read a book and kind of be constructed to this. Cause, and there's some great podcasts and great books out there that talk about personal growth and development, and whether it's marketing, whether it's relationships, whether it's this and that, that technical side. Um, but I really do. I think it's – I love the history side of our industry because not a lot of people understand the history side of our industry. And there's actually a very good Houston uh, – Texas local book called The Big Rich, and it's all those. Pow- have you have you heard no, about that no, book? No, I haven't. It's all these cats back in the day that started the companies. Was, and like I'm talking about, like building like your, a mist uh, a mansion for your mistress in like River Oaks District. You know what I mean? Like all these cr- these crazy stories about like hiring these jets to take like the crazy. But that's the thing is the history of our of our industry that I think is fascinating. Like when I hear Bubba t- tell the stories, when I hear you tell, you, I love hearing that side. It's, to me, that. I don't know why. I just, I just enjoy that. Well, I can you know? tell you this. Bubba Smith's forgotten more stories than he's told. Oh, God. Because know, he's man. lived them. Oh, love, <laughs> what, what a guy. To, I was oh. so happy to work on it. That was the toughest conversation I had when I broke up with him. I thought the toughest conversation, the toughest conversation in my life, I've had two very difficult uh, 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 professional conversations. The first one is when I left Noble Drilling to go to Alice Chalmers with you. And it, was, it, was, it wasn't a tough – it, it was a tough decision because I felt the, the relationships were there. I felt that was my family. You know what I mean? Like those were my people. And I, and I loved every person that worked, you know what I mean? That was a tough, con- the toughest conversation was breaking up with Bubba. Oh, oh my God. Yeah. Yeah. No doubt. Cause he's a great guy. Oh my love God. That dude. Love the cat. Yeah. Yeah. And then, and then that's the thing though. I love this stories about our history. And so I love how you're telling you're, you're, you're plugging historical uh, industry books right now, because I think that should probably get more uh, attention. Well, if you if you if you if you get people who are listening to this that then say, okay, well, yeah, 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 maybe I should look into a little more because a the industry is getting beat up. Our industry is getting just 
crucified. I don't need to go more into that because right. we know that. Right. I think every listener out there. <laughs> so if if we can be educated and we can bring a positive energy. And, and point people to the history and point people to community and talk about these things in a positive way and point people to the IADC website and, and talk about companies like Lee C. Moore that have been doing building mass and derricks for, you know, since 1907. I mean, that is the type of thing that will keep this industry moving forward until the world wakes up and says, we need these guys now. We we we're going to we're moving in a different direction, but we still need these guys, and we need them for another 30, 40, 50 years. I don't see that happening though, Mark. I really don't. This is why I don't see people waking up because nobody likes admitting that they're wrong, right? Correct. No one likes admitting. You know what? I looked at that kind of uh, incorrectly. And I, the last five years, I was bashing the oil and gas industry. I was looking at that wrong. So maybe. Maybe I need to come back to that and think that there are people too, and that's an industry that that are people too, and that provide affordable electricity. I think what's going to happen is people are going to wake up and they're having blackouts and brownouts and not getting AC, not getting not heating their homes, or it's costing them an arm and a leg to fill up the car, and they're and they still won't say, "Oh, I support the only." They'll bitch about something else, like, "Oh, well, because of I know, I know." It's that's a scary it's thought. A, it's an it? uphill battle, mm-hmm. but that, to that leads me to have those conversations where it's not us versus them. Something it's like, dude, just we ain't going anywhere. You know, we're not. So just understand like we are doing a great job with carbon capture. We're with our ESG. We need to do it. If we're not doing ESG, you're not getting any capital these days. So we are do we are your neighbors. We are contributing we are raising the energy poverty level of the world and if you take us out and when i say us i'm talking about the united states of america if you take the domestic oil and gas industry out which is the direction and where they're they're trying to force us somebody's going to backfill that position and the people that backfill it aren't going to be as green as we are they're not going to capture the, you tell them no the, about the flood right now. No, You're right. Exactly. That's the problem is that the, the China and the Chinese and the Pakistanis and the Indians and the the Middle Eastern countries that are producing oil and natural gas and good for it. I mean that's great. They should I absolutely agree. develop their natural resources. But their regulations are different. But their regulations are different. And so you're gonna take us out of it and we're the we're the most environmentally friendly industry on the planet as i mean oil and gas industry on the planet i agree and that's the thing though it's like i'm unfortunately we have such a stigma about us in our industry that we're these you know roughnecks that come that don't give a shit about dumping this and clean that's not i've everyone i've met is uh an, a steward of the environment they don't mess around they, they're they're environmentalists and that's one of those things that again it's just a constant that's one of those things we have to communicate right and that's been one of the positive things that I think has transpired over the last 20 to 25 years is that we in this industry have been educated to the place where we are environmentally friendly and HSE health safety and environment is a top priority for for operators and service companies alike absolutely yeah. absolutely and then yeah I, I completely agree with that so anyway we're coming up on about uh 
what, what else? What else are we going to talk about right now? You have, you have some other stuff. What, what else you got? Well, I you know I I did. We're wanna, no hey, we're in no rush. Okay, good. I did want to plug. Uh, you know, you uh, you always have these these Let's guests. Do some these guests bring bring in these nice bottles of whiskey. I want to plug this and the and the wine. And I sit there and I go, oh my goodness, how awesome is that? And then I think, yeah. I got a couple of boys in that business, and I'm going to reach out to them. When I say, okay, so for those that are listening, when Mark, the generation gap is obviously showing, Mark says, I got a couple of boys that are in this business. To us, that means I got a couple, to me, that means I got a bunch of close friends, but you actually have sons. I do. Just, so, so Mark shows up today, and he brings this beautiful display case of balconies. Balconies, 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 uh, uh, bourbon, and I know it's from um, Waco. Yes. So, can you talk to me about this? Yeah. Let, 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 I'll tell you what. Let's plug your son real quick. Both of them. Well, okay. Well, so my uh, my oldest son, uh, Jared, he's thirty six, and uh, he uh, works for a company in Waco called David Mayfield Selections. Okay. And uh, that company started in two thousand thirteen, and. In Austin, and then it moved to Waco, and and their their whole deal is they import and buy uh, wine that is made predominantly by, by in small family owned type wineries all around the world: Italy, France, uh, Australia, South America, Texas. I mm-hmm. mean, and 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 also in California, and they. Uh, it's 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 low intervention, small batch type of wine, and it's a it's a kind of you know I, I kind of relate it. Of course, I get my my you know Jared says, "Well, Dad, you really can't look at it that way." And I go, "Well, this is the way I look at it." You know, it's kind of like the craft beer industry. You know, twenty maybe even ten years ago, it yeah. was like this this thing that wasn't really out there, but everywhere. and it's just now it's everywhere and it's blown up. Well, this is kind of this whole. You know, low intervention wine kind of thing. It's kind of this natural wine kind of phenomenon. Well, you're I actually think. seeing kind of like a what's it called Slate Mill, like this, like even these like ro- these not pyramids, Rodan, like the Rodan and Fields, whatever you want to call it. Like they are selling these natural wines that have none of sulfates, none of this, none of that. And like it's this is this grassroots, so that is kind of gaining popularity. It is, it is, and that's kind of that. That's the direction. And, and David has been really successful uh, in doing this, and he distributes to all the the major metropolitan areas and surrounding areas in Texas. And would Kelsey Dean like it? Uh, well, you know, he's a California guy, and, they, and I brought you a Californian. You did, which uh, was phenomenal. T- 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 tonight. And so, uh, Kelsey, oh, well, here's the thing. You're going to have to let Kelsey make that decision. I think what we have that. to do, we have to get you and Kelsey up here, and we'll open that. We'll have a Oh, that'd be together. sweet. I'm going to save that, actually. That'd be sweet. We'll awesome. That. Awesome. Good. I'd, I'd love to meet Kelsey. That'd be great. Wait, wait. You never met Kelsey? I never met Kelsey. Never met Kelsey. You Just heard him on the podcast. I love that. Just heard him on the podcast and loved his stories and loved y'all talking and taking me down memory lane. Oh, man, I thought you knew That's what's so cool. It's like I love – so, again, you hear this podcast, and I feel like you know the guy because you come in talking like that. Uh, you know, like I said, I, I I know his uncle, Bubba, but I, I didn't know his dad. But there were certainly contemporaries oh, and know okay. a ton of people together. We'll open that up. He lives right down the road. We'll get him here uh, next week. That would be fun. And then uh, – Let's talk about your other son. Yeah, he – my second son, he's – Balconies. He's been there for several years. They they opened that distillery in Waco, Texas, in two thousand and eight. And what's a fun fact about that? Well, the the cool thing about that is is that they then produced the very first Texas whiskey that was had been released and released it since Prohibition. 
and I don't know exactly what year that was, but it was sometime, you know, after you make it and it sits there and it, you know, gathers some age and burn. Yeah, exactly. And they do, you know, they have six core whiskey uh, and whiskey expressions and they do another 12 to 20 additional ones, you know, special releases and they do rum. And they just recently, this last year, got into the, beer making business because for their tasting room yeah, you know you want to have you know something other than just whiskey at your tasting room everyone's gonna get twisted off with just whiskey but i tell you that is a that, so what does he do there he's the uh operations manager actually he's the head brewer and he's the operations manager and he does all the so he or he's ordering all the barley and all the the hops and all the whatever it is they order of course i don't know that business so i'm speaking i'm ignorant when it comes to distilling spirits but no, 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 yeah, but at the same time, and that's such a cool. It's fascinating. That is, and I've had you know, I've taken some people up there and and been done the behind the scenes tour a couple of times, and it's a a cool, cool uh, experience, and I learned a lot, but then I forget a lot too. So, well, after the tasting room, I usually forget a lot too. So, did they both go to Baylor? Uh, they they did. They uh, well, no, well, my oldest went to University of Houston downtown. Okay, and then and. The second son went to Baylor, but they both went to Truett Seminary. So they both went in th- thinking they were going to go into ministry, oh, and, and then they both went into spirits, liquors, yeah. liquor. <laughs> well, well, one's well, one person got into the wine, so I get that. You know what I mean? But then I guess if uh, I guess if, you, if, I guess if you're have a church in Texas, you got to go with a bourbon whiskey. Well, so, yeah. Absolutely, so one, yeah, absolutely. So I get that. <laughs> Well, I mean, that's great. I, w- I would love to take a trip there and honestly just like visit there. Bring I can some, set that bring up. some. I'd love that. Bring some customers, and all that. So uh, yeah, I, mean, I didn't know that. That's so cool. Enjoy it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Get a little, get a little party van. Go up there and and get a designated driver and and everybody have a big time. No question. Well, I mean, that's. I'm, I'm, don't threaten <laughs> me with a good time. All right, you know that. Absolutely. What, what else you got? You know, I tell you what, I have. Uh, you got any questions for me? What? Well, I think I've been talking. Well, so, what, I mean, let me ask you a question. What? I guess if I'm sitting here and I'm hearing you and I'm listening to this, it's like, oh, relationships, network, how it used to be. Da da da. What, if I'm kind of sitting here in my car at the house and I'm hearing this, what would you tell me that um, to uh, regarding? I guess the the impact of relationships and the second thing. Um, pursuing them, if you don't mind. I mean, how to pursue those type of relationships, and I guess the impact of them. Well, you you you're doing it, and you know how to do it, and and I haven't. Uh, I, I know in a previous conversation, I think we had maybe last year, you talked about how during the pandemic, y'all have actually brought people in here yeah. into your offices, your, your office out of a house in the Heights, and it's awesome, by the way. But how y'all brought friends and customers and and just community in and cook some steaks and brought in some lasagna or whatever and y'all drank a bunch of wine in this conference room right here and, it. And, and enjoy it because the restaurant happened to be shut down or people weren't comfortable in going but even if you did it wouldn't be the same because of the environment you know that's that's what it's all about i don't think i'm going back i mean honestly if i if i'm entertaining customers unless they want to go i don't think i'm going back to restaurants just because it's such an intimate time here, things you gotta you gotta use what works. Whether that's having a, a customer and their wife over to your house for dinner, Absolutely. bring them to your home, or whether that's opening up your garage and having a crawfish boil, or whether that's you know, a small whatever you want to do, I don't care. But uh, it's 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 using what works for you, and that's you just 
think outside the box and how to, how to get people here. What would you want to do? Well, and that's what our, and that goes back to the history of our industry and, and the service industry as, as specifically is I promise you this industry, oil and gas and the service industry in, in particular, does it different and has always done it different than any other industry that's out there. Look, there's entertainment that goes on, no question. But I, I, I would argue that there are more people and have been people in this industry, in our industry, that have entertained in their home where their wife cooked the crawfish etouffee and served it herself. And, and, and you sat around the table, with it, whether it was, you know, a Friday night or a Saturday night in the middle of pick a month. Yeah. And it was for no other reason because you wanted to get to know that person and build that relationship with them. And that's how so many relationships have been formed. And I've got countless numbers of people I call close friends because we were able to do exactly that because it was promoted by the companies that I worked for. And it's been, and, and you know, the Bob Zombreckers of the world at, grew up and, and have passed that on, and you've witnessed it, and you're part of it now. And we need to pass that on to the next generation as well because, you know, it's easy to take a customer to, uh, to dinner. Yeah. Uh, and his wife, or without without his wife, but it's it, it's another step to take his wife, but it's another step to have him in your home. You will not get a better bang for your buck when they're in your because that that you're they're not a customer anymore. They're not a customer. They they're your they're your, your guest. They're Absolutely. your guest. They're your friend. They're your family. At that point, I agree with that. Absolutely. I do. And I, I, and I think when you're doing that, I don't think you need. To, I mean, there's a lot of people. It's like, oh, you know, JP. Next time you do a dinner, I want to do it, which is great. I, I whatever. I'm down with that. But at the same time, it's like. During that time, what can you do this week or next week that's kind of outside the box? Can you go to Loft 18 and hit some virtual golf balls? Can you can you do a Zoom happy hour if the customer's on? Can you do the, like, just don't wait for someone to plan that for you. Just kind of just think about, okay, I don't really know this. I've, 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 I've sat across the table with this guy. I don't know this guy that well, but I'm going to invite them to this three-person happy hour I'm having at my house. We're sitting outside having a beer and, and throwing horseshoes or whatever that looks like. Just Absolutely. do something. Do something. And, you know, you, you mentioned it's funny but that you mentioned this because I heard of a, a company that on Friday afternoons they have a, kind of a post-week uh, gathering. This is a company where you're on the Zoom, and they all have a cocktail of choice at 3 o'clock on a Friday afternoon in front of them in the Zoom call, and they're catching up on what they did that, that previous – I mean that – at the end of that it. week. And so it's that it's kind of that, okay, even in my house, even on a Zoom call, we can still socialize on some level through through in the engagement. So I think that's I yeah. completely agree with yeah. that. So Mark, I want to thank you so much for uh, for coming on again everyone. This is uh, Mark uh, Patterson with uh, uh the founding and uh, and owner of Sage Brothers Consultant again. They come in, they kind of uh they discuss uh I think transition was a, was a, was a, <laughs> was buzz, a big word, wasn't big it? word today. But, uh, but again, if you, I mean, honestly, I, just what we talked about, talking about relationships, I highly recommend just reaching out to them and sitting across the table and, and literally just 
shooting the bull with him because uh, it's it's very entertaining. It's very you never know where you're going to go down, and it's always fun. So I strongly advise you to reach out to him, whether it's on LinkedIn or anything like that. And if you want to plug your website real quick or, yeah, or your email, it's it's literally SageBrothersConsulting.com, and uh, I would encourage you to to go to the website, my LinkedIn page, Mark Patterson Sage Brothers Consulting, and. Uh, and if you have a need or if you just want to have a conversation about your company or, or even personally something you're going through, I'd be more than happy to, to give you some of my time and, and uh, we can talk about how I might be of benefit and be able to serve serve you out there. JP, I, I can't tell you enough how much I appreciate you, your friendship, and uh, what you're doing because well, I, I do think it's important that we in this industry talk about our history, talk about community, talk about relationships, and talk about how how we can advance this industry uh, from where we are today to where we want to be, you know, in the in the future. Well, Mark, you've been so pivotal to my, uh, I guess, where I'm at today uh, by taking a chance on me and bringing me on to Alice Chalmers. And I thank you for being here. And uh, again, I, I I love your message. I love what you're talking about about relationships because you and I we have that same same passion we do the we same do. passion which which is great and uh uh i want to thank you and i guess uh uh thank you for coming in i guess uh, we'll be in touch i wish you uh success uh, with your uh semi-new endeavor yeah absolutely yeah about 10 months in so nine months in so all right i guess we'll talk to you soon and thanks for joining us thank you 